doing it in the pattiest. He is getting his revenge. He is in his reputation era in the most petty way that he possibly can. This is not just another housewife podcast. Celebrity gossip consuming my brain. You cannot tell me that for the last two years, all of these dates have not been blocked off with NFL stadiums. It is all happening. I'm Brett, and this is the Oops, I Gossiped Again podcast. Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I am Britt, and I am your host. In the last episode, I got really personal about some things that I'm foreseeing for the future, and I'm going to try not to get too sentimental here, but I just need to say thank you, thank you, thank you for following the show, for listening, for engaging with me, having these conversations, really bringing those feelings and thoughts full circle. This morning, I actually, well, I try to not look too much at analytics and charts and things like that because I just, I don't want this to become something that I'm obsessing over. But I did look at the charts today and the podcast went into the top 100 in entertainment news on the charts this week. And it was at number 90. I, this is amazing. And it is all thanks to you. I'm so thankful that you allow me the opportunity to be in your ears, rattle on, go off on tangents, speak my opinions, speak my thoughts, give you some news, give you some gossip, but it really is all for you about you. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Keep telling your friends, keep listening and let's just collectively keep blowing this thing up because it's my favorite thing to do. I've talked in the past that it took me so long to create this podcast because I felt like I couldn't do it by myself. And then for whatever reason, I was just like, nope, I'm going to do it. I'm running with it. I'm going to have fun with it. And here we are. It kind of just validates that a little bit further that we are all capable of doing the things that we want to do. And that's my only energy moving in 2023. That is my only energy. I don't need to overthink every single thing and be like, is this the right time? Is this the right choice? Am I doing the right thing? Who's going to make fun of me? Am I going to look stupid? I'm just doing. And that is the vibe for 2023. Thank you so much. Thank you for supporting me and being with me and just making this so fun for me to do. But let's dive in to some of the things that have happened this week. The Golden Globes were on the other night and I have zero interest in awards shows anymore. I don't know why. Maybe it's because we go through things in real time. We don't get so much pushed on us. I think it was, I think I was listening to Justin Anderson. He made a really good point about this. Like before when awards shows were really big and popular and people were going to the theaters all the time, you know, kind of pre-COVID, but really pre-streaming, we had so much more pushed in our faces. So we knew about the movies and things that were getting and making a lot of money. And now we know about those things in a different way. We're seeing them streaming. We're not going to the movie theaters as often. A lot of these things are just not getting pushed because we watch so many different streaming platforms. I can't watch awards shows anymore. Now that does not include music awards shows because I am 37 dating myself. I'm a millennial here. But I will watch the shit out of MTV Music Awards no matter how old I am. 
I will watch the Grammys. I will watch the country music awards. I will watch any awards show that involves music and is focused on music. I may not know (laughs) all of the artists that are performing, but I know enough that they are more entertaining than sitting and watching the Golden Globes or even the Oscars. Really, the only thing I think that made the Oscars anything in 22 was the infamous slap between Chris Rock and Will Smith. I'm only watching for fashion. I'm only watching for the, quote, viral moments that happened. And guess what? I saw all of that the next day. I saw all of the fashion things, the red carpet things online. I saw all of the viral clips on TikTok. That's all I need. I don't need to spend, what, three or four hours of my night watching it happen in real time. I'm just not that invested, unless, of course, it's a music awards show. There were, however, multiple viral moments from the Golden Globes, and so many, so many of them surrounded Jennifer Coolidge, and she deserves every single piece of it. This woman is a treasure. There is nothing that this woman could do wrong that I would not die on the hill for her. Okay, that's a little exaggeration. I'm not going to die for her. You know, it's a it's a euphemism for this woman is amazing and we need to protect her at all costs. She gave so many amazing moments at the Golden Globes, though. She truly did. And the way she is so funny and humble, and it's almost like, is this woman constantly playing a character or is she the character. And in my heart, I believe she is the character. And she takes that with her with every single part that she plays. If anyone else was Tanya on The White Lotus, would we have felt such a connection to that character? Would there have been enough connection that Mike White would have brought her as the only person coming from season one into season two? Would anyone else have created that? Would anyone, any other person playing that part be so beloved and be so torn about her ending yet know that it was the perfect ending for her? Is she always playing a character or is she the character? And I think it's the latter. I really do. I would pay money to sit at a dinner party with this woman and just take it all in to really feel her energy, to be in her energy, to listen to every single word that comes out of her mouth because it can be so dry and it can be so flippant, but it's humorous and it's saying so much at all times. Like you can feel the genuine love that she has for what she does and the people that she does it with. This woman deserves every accolade, every applause everything that she is getting. Not just now. And that leads me to my next thing. There is an account on Instagram that has many, many followers. It's over a million. And this morning I was looking at Instagram stories and I saw something that this account posted. The statement was, I'm going to read it verbatim. Now this is in regards to Jennifer Coolidge. Gotta love how now at 60 years old, she's a celebrated sex symbol that goes against everything we're so goddamn tired of. And I believe the next one after that, which I didn't take a screenshot of, was a side-by-side of 
Jennifer Coolidge and Kim Kardashian and and comparing sex symbol in that way, which I was like, there's this is this doesn't even make sense because it's not even a comparison. But my real problem with this, and this account is not run by someone that is a Gen Zer or young and doesn't remember certain things. My real problem with this is that we that the statement of now at 60, she's looked at as a sex symbol. In 1999, a little movie premiered called American Pie. And if you are maybe a younger person and you're listening to this podcast and you're not aware of what American Pie was, it was a legendary, I think there were three, so a trilogy of movies following high school students into going to college and their experiments with parties and all, you know, awkward things that high schoolers of that age are going through, specifically making a pact to lose their virginity. One of these individuals was a man named Stifler who was in this friend group. He was like the annoying friend, the loud, the boisterous, the ever screwing things up and driving everyone crazy. But he was also the one that had the most money. His family had money. He threw all the parties. Like there was nothing like a Stifler party. And Stifler had a mom. And this mom was the, you know, mean girls quote, cool mom. But she was never seen by anyone. She was always in a different room, but she was always there at these parties in a different room. She was very elusive and mysterious and sexy. She was sexy. She was so sexy that there was a term coined for this woman, and that term is MILF. It is an anagram for mom I'd like to fuck. MILF. Now that term has taken, has carried from 1999 to 2023. It is on t-shirts. It is on mugs. It is on just a flippant thing that people will say all the time. And Stifler's mom is Jennifer Coolidge. Now, I don't think that we ever knew exactly how old Stifler's mom was, but she seduced the young classmate. She seduced him and was forever known as MILF. When Jennifer was this sultry, sexy MILF in American Pie, she was 38 years old, albeit Roles after seemed very silly. You know, we think about her roles in Legally Blonde. She was very silly, kind of playing that dumb blonde type vibe that fit with the movie, right? But this woman was actually the sex symbol of that time. She was Stifler's mom. She is Stifler's mom. She even said at the Golden Globes that that was years ago, but she was going to ride that cart until the wheels fell off. She was going to eat that up forever. And I say all of this because if we are now thinking, there are people that are only seeing her now because of White Lotus. And rightfully so. That's what she got the Golden Globe for. Right, rightfully so. But it's so hard to take what who she is now and try to say, well, it's so nice to see that she's now this sex symbol at 60 years old. She's not. 
She was and always has been because she exudes that confidence because it's her personality. It is the way she carries herself and her smile and the way that she gives off an energy that everyone wants to be around. In American Pie, she was mysterious and sultry and sexy and the mom that everyone wanted to fuck. She has been this for many years and deserves everything that she is getting now. She is the epitome of never allow yourself to give up. All of her roles have been fairly small until White Lotus. They're all supporting actors and and not ever really being the star of the show, but then now she is that person and it's bringing in different audiences and it's seeing people in a different light. But if you can't think of this woman that has always been this person, always been a sex symbol in such a different way, it's not a comparison of Jennifer Coolidge to Kim Kardashian. And I know why this account did that. It's the way that they feel about the Kardashians in the first place. I understand that. But the narrative is just like we're trying to create this narrative about something that this woman has always been. Bless to everything that Jennifer Coolidge does in her life. She has, she was even caught on the red carpet at Golden Globes the other night when someone said, would you ever be on Beverly Hills? And she ran away and it was like, yes, of course. Like let's have Andy Cohen, let's make that happen. Let's let her play the character that she is in her real life that she takes to every microphone, to every camera, to every moment that we see her. And meanwhile, I just want to pay money to sit at a dinner table with her. So Jennifer Coolidge, if you are hearing this, you are the epitome. You are the MILF. You are the queen. And we bow down to you. This is probably a good segue into, since I brought up Kim, into the other thing I wanted to talk about that is Kim and North's TikTok. (sighs) I, as a mother, 1000% respect her in two different ways with this account. Number one, she turns the comments off. That, that to me is just so important. It allows, well, here's number two. It allows North to have that creativity and she's allowing for that creativity. So that is number two. In a way that is not going to diminish her creativity by seeing comments. Because let me tell you, the people on TikTok that are talking or anywhere on the internet that are talking about those TikToks are, should be ashamed And I I apologize ahead of time if you are one that has had certain feelings, but let me offer you a different perspective. In her interview on the podcast that was, what, two weeks ago now, I can't even remember at this point who it was with, she made it very clear that as a mother, she is doing her absolute best to protect her children, specifically probably North, from the things that their father is doing. This man has run Kim over the coals so many times, her entire family. And I, as a child that has a broken family, my parents divorced when I was like two years old. And for my entire life, even more so now as an adult, I have always had to have this feeling of what is one going to say about the other? Or how can I have them both in the same room? How can I make my family 
connected with both sides of my family and it doesn't work. And that's because there was so much hatred toward one another and there was no protection of it. So as Kim is experiencing all of this happen with with Kanye, like the things he's saying about her, the things he's saying about her family, the things that he is doing to humanity, period, she's doing her best to protect her children from that, to allow her children to have somewhat of a normal life. And we all, like, I'm not dumb. I know that there's probably an opportunity where they are hearing about things, especially North, or they are going to hear about things in the future. You can't shield them forever. But for now, she is doing her best. And as a mother, I commend her for that. So these TikToks, that they're, whether they're doing them together or North is doing them by herself or she's doing them with friends, having the comments turned off is probably the number one thing that can be done to protect the creativity, to allow this child to have fun, but do it in a way that is not going to be diminished by the hatred and the hurtful and the absolutely terrifying things that people are saying about them. I think we sometimes forget that even though you have a thought, like I, I can't lie and say when she, when North had a TikTok and put on like that beard filter, I mean, the rese- the physical resemblance and even the mannerisms of Kanye was uncanny, uncanny. It, it's incredible. But people will see that on TikTok and then they will take that and use it to spew hatred. No matter what you think, about the Kardashians or Kim herself or the way that she parents, this is a child. This is a child that people are purposely going to attack and ridicule and talk about. As a grown person, talking that way about a child is more disgusting than and vile, in my opinion, than anything that they could ever post on TikTok. I respect Kim in the manner of the way that she is trying to support the creativity of her child. But could you imagine if you are a parent and you are now seeing the things that people are talking about your child like that? I can't even imagine what that feels like. So no matter what the opinions that any of us have on the Kardashians, because there are a lot, and there are a lot of two sides to every story. There are a lot of thoughts that people love them, people hate them, people are kind of like, whatever, they're over, cancel them. These children do not deserve to have the hatred spewed at them in the way that they do. It aches my heart the way that people will talk about or copy or, you know, repost some of these things. Yeah, we get it. North is Kanye's daughter. And Kim is doing everything she can so that she can keep the innocence of that child. And adults are on the internet trying to make her grow up in a way with hatred. It's not cool. I don't love it. So if you take anything from this opinion, this (laughs) roller coaster of thoughts. Take this. The next time that you're scrolling your for you page and you see Kim and North's TikTok come up, just give them a like. Give them a like. Tap that heart. 
see through the lens of a child that's trying to have fun and put and be creative and put something out there. Just try because you may see it in an entirely different way. Again, this is just a perspective. This is just another way to see from the outside. That doesn't mean that it changes your opinion on the Kardashians or Kim herself. That That's not it. Just try to see it from a different lens. Try to see it with compassion and love that this child is getting to do what she, what she ha- is having fun doing. All roads are connecting because we are talking about a child essentially being poked fun of and, and tortured online. Meanwhile, I am in the process of reading Spare by Prince Harry. I had to screenshot a specific statement that I'm going to read to you. So what if their fun made my already difficult days more difficult, made me a laughing stock before my schoolmates, not to mention the wider world? So what if they were torturing a child? All was justified because I was royal, and in their minds, royals were synonymous with non-person. Now, when I started taking my notes for today's podcast, I actually had the, the thoughts about Kim and North before I even began reading the book. And I have my notes, and right under that, in all caps, says, here's the connection, here's the connection, screenshot this about torturing a child in press, because it's the same thing, right? Just in a different way. Here, I feel like we're focusing so much on social media and the teardown of these people because they're, quote, not a real person. They're, as Harry says, a non-person because they're a celebrity and Kim's babies are Nepo babies. But it's the same situation in a different light. You're either out here hating Harry for everything or you're on the side that I am where like, I need to hear more. I want to hear more. I want to know. Please don't go and make a comment on one that says, yay, I'm so glad that Harry is you know, speaking out about this and and the things he went through, but then turn around and make a comment or whisper to a friend or share one of North's videos because it's the same situation, in my opinion. But let's talk about the book. Let's talk about the book that I had actually hoped to complete before I recorded this podcast. (laughs) It may seem very silly, but I have not been able to put this down. Today, I actually had to give my eyes a break and I haven't touched it yet today. I think I have like a hundred pages left to go. I ordered it on Kindle. Then I found out after that he actually reads the book on Audible. And I'm like, well, I fucked up because I could have listened to him in my ears all day long. That's fine. I haven't been able to put it down until today, but I just needed, my eyes needed a little break. I am enthralled in every single swipe of my finger as I'm reading from my iPhone. And what I think I find most comical is this like, social media war that's happening. It feels, it's like, I don't want to compare it to the American revolution, but is that what, is that what's happening here? Like, are we as Americans trying to protect now Megan and Harry? Meanwhile, the Brits are like, nope, nope, you can keep them. They're liars. They're, you know, and I'm not here to judge anybody. This is why I haven't had a single argument or anything or even deleted comments unless they were very hateful like over the edge on any of my videos because again this is this is interesting to me the dynamic between the two I am always open to hearing opinions and talking opinions learning more from one another and by no means am I trying to compare this to the American Revolution please don't take it in that way but it's like 
This is, this is what's happening. Even before the book came out, the way that certain passages were leaked, which I don't think was an accident, by the way. I don't think they were leaked. I think they were professionally leaked on purpose. Smart PR move. Everybody making being up in arms about this squabble between William and Harry and how William, you know, I haven't gotten to this part of the book yet, so I'm just going off of what I heard that was leaked, how he shared that William hit him or, you know, the comments about William being, going bald. Like these, that's not, it's truth, right? It's truth. Do you know that when I was young, like 10, 11 years old, I swore up and down. I'm like, I'm going to marry Prince William. Like I told everybody, I was going to be a princess. I was going to marry William. I was going to be the queen of England someday. And at that time, William was this like tall, blonde, blue-eyed kid that had this beautiful smile and he was good looking, right? He looked great, especially when you're 10, 11, 12 years old. And let's just gloss right over the fact that I was actually, am actually the same age as Harry. So ideally, if I was going to marry a prince, it should have been Harry. But at that time, Harry was this young, scrawny, redheaded kid that nobody was going to take a look at. Everyone, I, everyone wanted to marry William, but I was going to. Like it was, it was done. And now roles are completely reversed. But now William is going bald. He looks tired. He looks exhausted. And Harry is just like, where did you come from, sir? What happened to you? When did you grow up? It's kind of like when I look at pictures of Eminem, like when Eminem had, you know, his first really couple big albums in his Slim Shady area, nobody was looking at that man for anything other than his talent. We weren't looking at him because he looked good. But now as we are all older and he's sober and he's matured, I'm like, God damn, that man, the chokehold that that man has over me. That's how I feel about Harry right now. From a physical standpoint, he has definitely had a glow up absolute glow up. And William is just not really there. He's kind of going downhill, but it really does feel like it's become an us versus them thing. When I read comments, again, I'm, I'm, I'm letting the one video that I did on Harry on TikTok just kind of simmer because unless people are being so hateful that it's just like vile name calling, I'm not going to allow that. But it's so interesting to me to watch the different sides and see how people really feel. We all have the ability and the opportunity to feel a certain way, say say how we feel and, and what we believe and what our opinions are. But I just find it so entertaining to me to watch all of this happen in real time. And in my opinion, this man is deeply, deeply scorned, deep. And he, and he is doing it in the pettiest. He is getting his revenge. He is in his reputation era in the most petty way that he possibly can. And I am here for it. And something I found interesting as I've been reading the book is a lot of people say he has no respect for the institution. If what he is saying in this book is true, as far as how he has been treated, then he should not have respect for the institution now that he is out. He should go after every single thing that they have ever done to him, which seems as though is what he is doing. But I also do see the respect. And there was a moment where I was reading last night and it was in the passage about how 
he and William and Kate went to the Tower of London and they saw the crown. I don't know enough about royal history. I, d- I don't care enough to know that much. So I, I just don't get into it. But I don't understand why it, the Queen's coronation crown is in the Tower of London. I, that I just don't understand. And I don't think that they did either. I, I, it almost seemed to me when I was reading it that they didn't even realize it was there. <laughs> but when I read it, that sentence was actually capitalized crown, the crown. T was capitalized, C was capitalized. If Harry did not still have respect for some pieces of the duty and the palace and the crown itself, that book would not have capitalized the crown. That was purposeful. And that is him still taking that respect. He could have deliberately Now, there's a ghostwriter. He didn't sit down and type any of this shit. Like when I say he, I'm saying the collective team. There was a ghostwriter. We know that. If he wanted to be deliberately spiteful, that would not have been capitalized. And it seems like it's a very tiny, tiny minuscule piece of the whole bigger picture, but it really just proves that there's still this deep respect that I don't believe will ever go away. I think I find most fascinating about this book is the storytelling with such raw emotion. Now, this is where I wish that maybe I would have just gotten it. Maybe I will. Maybe I will still, after I finish reading it, go back and get it on Audible so that I can hear him. Because I feel like if you can hear him, you're going to hear more of the emotion in his voice as he reads, but you can feel it. And that's what keeps me not wanting to put it down. That's what keeps me enthralled in the story is the raw and deep emotion. The book opens up where he's retelling the moment after his grandfather passed about needing to meet with his father and his brother. And this was about everything that was, you know, going on. This is after they have left. Right before the book begins, like the actual chapter begins, that's where he's saying, no one's ever asked me what I've felt. No one's ever asked me what I've been through. And so now this is my chance to do so. And the fact that we are diminishing or taking that away from him, and when I say we, I mean collectively, like everyone that is hating on the book or hating on him talking and and being open about it, we're taking that away. We're doing exactly what he said has been done his entire life. We are validating those people that have done that to him his entire life. And we have someone here, you know, there are so many people that, like, let's bring it back to the Kardashians. We say, oh, we want to know more. We want to know the ins and outs. We want to know the secrets. We want to know, okay, well, now there is a man who is telling you all of the secrets from his personal perspective of one of the most influential and famous families in the world, in history. And he is spilling it all and everyone's like, shut up, don't say anymore. Don't, you said too much, you did too much. You need to stop, you're embarrassing yourself. Why would we ask for it and then deem that they're saying too much, that it's too much, that you went too far? So what do you want? You just want like little sprinkles? I, I don't understand. But from the very beginning of the book, he has already put in the air and the spare. And we know that. Like, that's a joke for everyone, I think. I think even American families, but it derives from the monarchy, from the bloodline, right? 
My husband's even made jokes like, oh, now, well, we need two boys because we need an heir and a spare just in case the older one doesn't have a boy to carry on the name. Then we at least we have a younger one and we don't. We have a boy and a girl. <laughs> but it's a joke, right? But it's the same thing. It's that same idea where they, he, we knew, we knew that Harry was cheated, treated as a spare because that's exactly what he was and what he is. And every time William had another child, he went further and further down the line. And that's all people cared about. Nobody says, oh, are you so happy to be an uncle? How do you feel about being uncle? No, everyone says, how do you feel about being pushed further down the line? And now I've watched a lot of The Crown. So the only things that I know about Princess Margaret are things that I have watched from The Crown. She's probably my favorite of the royal family. In the book, Harry talks about how he wishes that he had more of a connection with her because they're so similar. Because Margaret was also the spare. And Margaret went off the rails a little bit. A messy love life. She was drunk allegedly all the time. Doesn't that sound familiar? Doesn't it make you think about the dynamics as a whole? Like what would Margaret have said about the situation now? Do you think she would have stood by her sister as she did for so many years? Or do you think she would have had maybe a little private phone call or a pat on the back for Harry saying you're doing the right thing? I, I commend you. I think hypothetically it'd probably be in her heart. It'd probably be the latter. But in truth, she's going to, you know, defend the institution as she always did. But the two of them are very similar because it's the exact same situation. If something were to happen prior to Elizabeth having had kids, it would have been Margaret. Every time Elizabeth had another child, she was pushed further and further down the line, just as Harry has with William. But the only reason that we don't talk badly or call Margaret names is because Margaret didn't go against the institution. Margaret didn't go out there and air the grievances and you know, have have the fights out in public. She did it privately. If we're going to go off of what I watched on The Crown again, I, I do not know enough about the royal family and I don't care to know enough because I see what's on The Crown <laughs> and that's good enough for me. And I, I'm now like, there's no doubt in my mind that these types of things happen. That's never been a question for me. I remember seeing an old clip surface not too long ago, and I don't know where they were, but it they were standing. I'm standing on a balcony somewhere, and it's the queen and um, must have been after the, her husband passed. But it's the queen and then Harry and Kate and William and the kids. And Harry is standing kind of behind the children, and he's kind of goofing around with the kids. I, William is actually bent down. He's standing directly next to his grandmother. But he's like knelt down next to George and kind of talking with him and chatting and laughing. And all of a sudden, the queen gives him an elbow. And he immediately stands up, back to attention. Harry is in the back laughing. Now, this was a moment. This is what grinds my gears about this. This is a blatant show of successional respect and respect in the way of don't look badly to the institution. Because in this moment, there is play between Harry and William and George. There is clear play happening in this moment. They're all smiling. They are all laughing. 
And William is knelt down face to face with his child, having this moment. And rather than allowing that, the queen gives him an elbow, tells him to stand at attention and quit misbehaving. So why is it that we could question that anything that he's saying is not absolute fact? That was a clip that I saw visually. And rather than a fun family, present family moment, it was taken away in an instant because it doesn't look good for the institution. There are so many references in the book about the lack of emotion and the lack of sharing and the fact that the only time until he was, I believe, 29 or 30 that he had cried was at the burial of his mother. Let's let's get into that for a second. And then we'll do the whole classic corporate circle back. This these two children their mother has died. They are in such a traumatic state. They have no one that is going to collectively share that emotion with them because it's not allowed. Nobody shares emotion. Nobody talks about how they feel. These two are put on as a fucking spectacle to walk behind and parade through the streets of England to their mother's funeral. And this isn't a new revelation from the book. Like, we knew that this was fact. But now as I'm reading the book, you know, we take that moment in his life at, I believe, what he was 13 at the time. We take that moment... And look how it shaped quite literally the, the rest of his life. Now, whether he is really good at storytelling, but as 13 years old, when you lose your mother and you haven't, you know, you weren't there, you didn't experience it happening, she wasn't sick, she was in Paris, all of these things kind of go around and the only thing that you were brought back was a lock of her hair and you just have to assume as a, as child, your mother is dead, that has formed a path for both of these boys for their entire lives. And the only difference between the two is that one knows that he needs to step up and be the quote man of the family because he is quite literally going to be king. And the other one just has to follow along on the coattails. If you didn't listen to my other episode on Harry and Meghan, that was solely on the documentary. After this one, I would like you to go and listen to that one. And I apologize if I'm repeating a couple of things because I do think that I've said this before, but all these trips to Africa, all of these, you know, the years that he put himself purposely into active war, He was doing that to, and I think he said it in the book at one point, he was doing it to feel something and to get away and do his own thing and be his own person without the chains of feeling like he had to appease the press and he had to do everything perfectly because clearly he wasn't perfect. He wasn't perfect. He has openly admitted the amount of alcohol and drugs and things of that nature. You know, we hear all of these stories And some are true and some aren't, but he was also just very deeply disturbed. In an era where we are so focused on healing mental health, and I love that for us, I absolutely love that, it hurts me to see that here's this man who, a man, okay, I want want that to be known and remembered. Here is a man who is 
openly sharing his mental health, his struggles with drugs and alcohol, the way his trauma, his anxiety, his panic attacks, openly sharing his struggle with mental health. And we collectively, not me personally, we are chastising him for doing so, telling him to stop talking, telling people to stop watching, telling him to get off of our televisions, telling him to go away. And then we wonder why more men commit suicide, why more men do not get help for their mental health. This is the reason why. This is what's happening. I think the entire book is, there might, okay, there might be some things that are, you know, there are a lot of people that are questioning the whole facts and truth of things. And, you know, this is a memoir. This is a memoir. This is his recollection. This is his feeling. And there's also a ghostwriter. So I think it's important to take into account that if there are factual mistakes, that's actually on the go- the writers to fact check. So I would imagine that if things are going to come up, they're going to take a brunt of it and they're going to have, you know, to address that in some way. But what I hope for this is that in the end, they get the clean break that they need. Do I foresee that they that this is going to ever be able to mend between the family? I don't think so. I think this was one of those moments that maybe they looked at each other and said, okay, if we're going to do this, we're going all in. We're going to have to deal with the consequences afterwards. And as someone who has struggled with similar situations like that of knowing when to cut people out, It takes a long time to do so. But now here he is and he's doing it and I don't think it's fair that we are telling him to shut up or telling him to stop talking or telling him he's saying too much. If you don't like it, just scroll on by. (laughs) You don't have to read the book. If you don't like it, don't read the book. Don't watch the documentary. Don't watch the interviews. It's easy enough in our day and age to ignore the things that do not apply to us. But if you do pay attention and you do want to share your opinion, I'm always open to it as long as it's in a respectful way. He said, I'm not deleting comments that aren't completely vile just because they're a different opinion of mine. Because I want to know what you have to say. I want to do more research. I want to look into it more. But this is my podcast. (laughs) This is my perspective and my thoughts on it. I am very much enjoying it. I cannot put it down. I am very much into Prince Harry's reputation era. I'm very much into his brand change. And so can we, I guess myself, I need to stop saying Prince Harry. Maybe we're at the point where we can actually just call him Harry because now that we've got spare. Because again, I don't even know what the hell his last name is. Is it Wales? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know how that works. I thought those were locations. I don't know. Do they have actual last names? I have no idea. Maybe I'll just start going by Spike. Maybe that'll be it. That's my new nickname for him. But unless you've read the book, you're not going to have any clue who Spike is either. This one was a little heavy. And I apologize if it got too heavy, if I feel like I'm too heated about it. This is my opinion. And I'm not screaming it like Tamara Judge. But it's just my opinion. It's my perspective. 
And I hope that some of this was insightful for you. If you have not read the book and you're curious to read it from an open space and make your own judgments and opinions on it, I encourage you to do so. If you are just trying to hate read it, like that's not beneficial because it just stays. Don't waste your money. You don't have to. You can just shut it off. You can ignore the noise. But if you do want to see some inner workings and you have not ordered it, bought it, downloaded it, get it on Audible. Get it on Audible because I didn't and I regret that. (laughs) Let him tell you the story. I think this is where I'm going to close off for this episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. I'm always open to your opinions and thoughts. So please don't hesitate to send me a DM on Instagram. Thank you again for listening and helping me break into helping us, helping us. This is a community, babes. Helping us break into the top 100 on entertainment news in podcast this week. I am so incredibly grateful for you. I hope that you have a wonderful day, a wonderful weekend, and I will chat with you in the next episode.